0: He grabbed his drugs and Ivan said, will you marry me? And gave me a ring. And I said, yes.
1: When this thing goes to court and trial, I have one shot and one opportunity to be not guilty or I go to prison in death row. Mm-hmm. That's, that's reality, it. We have busted alibis, we have caught people in lies. This is just insane, because everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else. You just don't hear every day, walking in somebody's house, they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody.
2: So he could get the execution date
3: pretty much any day? Yeah. There's no impediment.
2: This is Cousins by Blood. Episode 1, If the Jeans Don't Fit my name is matt duff i'm a private investigator this was my first interview with sylvia Cantu. sylvia is the aunt of the man that was murdered james musqueda this all happened in dallas in the year 2000 at that time the deceased james was 27 and sylvia was in her late 40s now in her late 60s Sylvia has relived the events surrounding the murders for the past 20 years, as you'll soon understand why. Sylvia starts the story on Friday, November 3rd, 2000.
1: Friday night, I had just gotten off work, but earlier that day, I I was working for a builder, and we had just finished uh, closing on the last house, and James was my loan officer.
2: Sylvia and James were working together, on phase one of a large subdivision in Dallas. Sylvia was the realtor and James was the loan officer. This was the biggest project either had ever worked on. And again, Sylvia was James' aunt.
1: That Friday, James had closed the last loan. He calls me and he says, well, so he's just, it was, you know, he wanted to let me know that everything went well and everything was closed. And I said, James, you did a wonderful job. You know, when Phase 2 starts coming about, you know, we'll certainly call you in and continue using you and maybe bringing somebody else in because it was a larger subdivision.
2: The next day, Saturday, Sylvia gets a call from Ray Sanchez, James' right-hand man, at his mortgage business. And so Ray calls you at 515, and what does he say? He says,
1: I can't make out what he's saying, but I know he's either crying or he's yelling. I can't make out what he's saying. He was hysterical. And he says, Sylvia, I just found out that James is dead. And I said, what? He says, yeah. He says, I've got the baby. I can't go over to his house. Will you please go over there and call me and let me know what's going on, if this is true? I said, there must be some mistake, Ray. And I just couldn't imagine you know, what he was saying. I couldn't even fathom it. So I, I really didn't believe it. I just knew you know, that that was going to have to be wrong. I got to his neighborhood and I turned the corner and I see all these police cars out there. And my heart just sank. And I drove up and without even thinking, I pulled up into the driveway. I got out of a car, and I was walking towards the front door, and a policeman stopped me, and says, I'm sorry, you can't come in right now. I said, what happened? And he says, the couple in there is dead.
2: The couple was James and his fiancée, Amy Kitchen. James was 27, and Amy was 22, a nursing student. They had just bought this home together. They were a great-looking couple. Amy was beautiful. They had gotten engaged in the Bahamas, and three months later, they were shot in cold blood.
1: Before I I got in the car, I started walking on the sidewalk in front of the house, and I thought, well, maybe I could find uh, someone there that I recognized. And Amy Kitchen's mother walked up to me, and she put her arms around me and hugged me. And I said, I'm so sorry. And she goes, and she, she couldn't even speak. I, I just I just know she, she hugged me. And I, I I looked in the middle of the street, and there's Chris Head. And I thought, well, what is he doing here, and how does he know about this? And I blinked, and as soon as I opened my eyes again, he was gone. I mean, like a flash.
2: So Chris Head was there. He Where was, was he? there
1: in the middle of the street in front of the house. There's a crowd out there, there was people coming in. Uh, the news department had, had already arrived, or just arriving, they were setting up. They were waiting for the coroner to pull up. It was just, it was just crazy. And so who was else was in
2: that crowd that you recognized?
1: No one, just, just as immediate neighbors.
2: Just the immediate it's neighbors, neighbors and Chris Head? hmm mm-hmm. Chris Head, also 27 at the time was a high school friend of James. An anonymous tip to police will reveal Chris and James had a, quote, huge falling out, unquote, just a few weeks before the murders. But we'll get back to that.
1: Or I went back and sat in the car. Detective Wynn knocks on my passenger window. He says, we're, we're doing an investigation here. Um, there was, We found two bodies. And I said, that must be my nephew and his fiancée. Mm-hmm. So I gave him James's name, and I think I gave him Amy's last name and last name. But I didn't know, you know, anything about what what had caused someone to come over there and, and murder them. And I think they brought James out first, and he okay. was covered in a he was on a gurney. He was covered uh, with a blanket. My sister-in-law. Elaine shows up, Abner's younger sister, my ex-husband's younger sister. She comes over to me and she says, do you know anything? I said, I don't know anything. I have no idea what happened. She says, "Um, where's Ivan? And I said, oh my God. I said, I forgot about Ivan.
2: Ivan is Sylvia's son, James' first cousin. And four days later, After this night, Ivan will be arrested for the murders of James and Amy. This is Cousins by Blood. Cousins by Blood is a serial-style investigation podcast unfolding episode by episode. Ivan Cantu, the son of the lady you just heard from, has been on death row since 2001. He was convicted of murdering his cousin. However, Ivan has maintained his innocence. If you Google Ivan Cantu, the case sounds open and shut, and we'll get into all that. But over the course of this podcast, you'll come to realize there is a lot more to the story. And this is how you know this isn't a movie script, because you have two Amy's as main characters. And it can get confusing at first, but don't worry, the Amy's become easy to distinguish as the story goes along. James, the victim cousin, was engaged to his Amy. Amy Kitchen was her name. James and Amy Kitchen had just bought a home in North Dallas. Ivan was dating his Amy, Amy Betcher they had just gotten an apartment together and their apartment was about a mile from James and Amy Kitchen's house so those are the four main characters at this point here's the quick version of the state's case November 3rd 2000 it was a Friday night almost midnight Ivan called James said he was coming over Ivan had a gun Ivan told his girlfriend Amy he was going to go kill his cousin and his cousin's fiance. He went over and shot James and Amy Kitchen to death in their bedroom. Ivan came back to the apartment with blood on him. Amy Betcher was there when he got home. He was not trying to hide this from her and Ivan was in party mode. He wanted to go out. He took a shower and they hit the road, but before they got to the club, He took Amy Betcher back to the murder scene to James and Amy Kitchen's house and she saw their dead bodies in the bedroom. At about 2 a.m., Ivan had another surprise for his Amy. It was an engagement ring. He proposed to her and she said yes. They celebrated the engagement. They went to house parties and a nightclub. As Ivan drove around, in his dead cousin's brand new Corvette. They were both on drugs, Coke, ecstasy, and speed. And Amy said Ivan also took mushrooms. When they got back to their apartment after this wild, bloody engagement night, it was the morning, 10 in the morning. They rested for just a few hours before they got up and drove from Dallas to Arkansas. That's where Amy's parents lived. Amy wanted to introduce them to her new fiancé, Ivan, for the first time. So they got to Arkansas that Saturday evening. She showed them the ring that Ivan had given her a few hours before. They spent three days with her folks in Arkansas. It was like a meet-the-parents-long weekend. But by Sunday, Ivan started getting phone calls from friends and family because back in Dallas, the bodies of James and Amy Kitchen had been found. At that point, nobody thought Ivan was involved, and Amy didn't tell her parents what she had seen. However, back in Dallas, the police were beginning to find evidence that tied Ivan to the murders. After the three days in Arkansas, Ivan and Amy Betcher drove back to Dallas, and Ivan was arrested for the murders of his cousin James and James' fiance. So then, Amy went back to Arkansas and told her parents that Ivan, her new fiance, the guy that they just hung out with for three days, was a cold-blooded murderer. And the ring she was wearing actually belonged to his cousin's dead fiance. You see, in addition to the murders, there was a robbery involved in the crime. And the three items stolen were James Corvette, James Rolex, And Amy Kitchen's engagement ring. And aside from the family drama, the engagement, the robbery, there's another element that makes this case even more intriguing, and that is there is a lot of compelling evidence that Ivan did not do it. None of it. Did not commit the murders, did not commit the robbery and didn't even propose to his girlfriend, Amy Betcher. As a private investigator, I've worked on this case for over a year. And the more people I talk to, and the more leads I look into, the more I realize there is a strong possibility that Ivan was set up. But then what about the ring and driving around in his cousin's brand new Corvette? We'll get into all that, but nothing in this story is quite what it seems. And I'll be the first to admit, this case is puzzling. This case is complex. But that's what makes it so fascinating. Did Ivan really kill his cousin and his cousin's fiance? Or has an innocent man been on death row for 20 years? And if Ivan didn't do it, who did? This is Susan Eisenberg, a Dallas police officer, and she was one of the first on the scene.
3: My partner and I responded for a call. It's called um, a welfare check. And that happens when somebody's concerned about a family member or a friend they haven't heard from, they're not returning our calls. When my partner and I got there, and us being the first responders on the scene. The fire department was already there. Uh, The family was standing outside the house. Myself and my partner walked into the bedroom. The first thing I saw was who I found out later to be Amy Kitchen. She was on her stomach. It looked like she had been in some kind of struggle. And the reason that I say that is she was not on the bed. It was almost like she was trying to run somewhere. And she just and what I found out later, she was just shot up. I believe it was four or five times. We, I looked onto the bed and saw who I later found out to be James Mosqueda, the homeowner. James was deceased. And I later found out he had two bullet holes to his head. He was also in a position to where they may have been asleep. They, meaning himself and Amy in the bed prior to the offense. Uh, he was wearing um, a T-shirt and boxer shorts. There was blood splatter on the wall. There was blood steeping into the mattress. There was blood on the floor. Uh, the crime scene was brutal. It appeared to be more of a hit than a robbery or a burglary. And from my experience, the reason I say that is because no drawers were turned open or even open. I mean, the house was very tidy. there was no evidence of anyone any statement looking for jewelry, um, anything valuable. the hit was calculated and the crime scene was bloody.
2: So what happened to cause a scene like that? Well, Amy Betcher, Ivan's girlfriend-slash-fiancee, testified that Ivan did it. She says Ivan went over there to see James at about 11.30 p.m. He came home with bloody clothes, and later he took her back to the crime scene, and she saw the bodies. While Ivan admitted he did go to see James at 11.30, he said when he left, they were still alive. and a little more backstory on Ivan's Amy, Amy Betcher. She was from Minnesota and had just moved to Dallas in 2000. She was working as a leasing agent at an apartment complex, but also doing a little dancing at a strip club called Baby Dolls. She met Ivan in August of 2000 at a hot nightclub called Seven. She started crashing with him almost immediately Ivan had a bedroom at a buddy's apartment, and because of the partying lifestyle, that didn't last too long. Then, Ivan and Amy crashed at Ivan's mom's house, and that didn't last too long either. So Ivan and Amy got a pretty nice one-bedroom apartment together on October 15, 2000. That was less than two months after they met, and about two weeks before the murders. So let's jump right in and hear Amy's side of the story, which will become the state's official story. This is a written statement given by Amy Betcher six days after the murders. This story begins on November 2nd in 2000, two days before the bodies were found. It's being read by an actress. This has been slightly edited for clarity.
0: This statement is given under my own free will. I understand that I'm not implicated or a suspect at this time. Thursday, November 2nd, I was arguing with Ivan Cantu, my live-in fiancé, at my residence in Dallas, Texas. He got up from the couch, went to the bedroom, and got a gun and fired a shot next to my head. My ears started ringing. I dropped to the floor. Then he put the gun to my head and stated to calm down. I tried to leave the residence and Ivan slammed my hand in the door. Then Ivan hit me across the face. We talked and he said that he's not full of shit. If anyone fucks him over, they'll be hurt. I got out of the apartment and sat on the sidewalk. He came looking for me, saying he thought I went to the neighbor's apartment. I stated I just needed air. I was afraid for my life the rest of the night. He went to sleep. I tried to stay awake because I didn't know what was going to happen to me. Friday, November 3rd, Ivan got up and left for most of the day. Ivan came home in the evening after his part-time job. Ivan went to the grocery store. After he got back, he made a phone call to James saying he needed to talk to him. This was about 11.30 p.m. Ivan stated, now I have to go kill James and Amy. Ivan left our apartment.
2: So this is the time period Amy says Ivan committed the murders. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. Pay
0: attention. He returned home at 12.18 a.m. by our clock Ivan had blood on his jeans, his socks, on his gun. The gun was jammed. He stated, this is my favorite gun. He also had doctor gloves on. Ivan was wearing James' shoes and shirt. He told me to go park James' car right, so I did. Ivan had blood in his hair, so he showered. Ivan had James' wallet and Amy's ID. He said he had to keep them and three sets of keys of James and Amy's he put them somewhere. Ivan ate some mushrooms, the drug type. Ivan said, let's go kick it at seven. It's a nightclub. He said he had to go there. So we left the apartment, went to Smiley's house. After Smiley's house, Ivan said, we're going back to James and Amy's house. I said, I didn't want to go. He stated that I'm going. So I know he's not full of shit. We got to the house. Ivan unlocked the door and said, come in. I said, no. Ivan said, get in here, so I did. He said, help him look for two kilos of cocaine. I said, no, let's go, please. He said, you need to calm down. I stated, please don't yell at me. Ivan said, I better help him now, so I did, because I didn't know if he would kill me too. Ivan said, come and look at this. I said, no. He said, come on. I did not see close up, but I kind of seen. I almost threw up. Ivan said, this is to let you know I'm not full of shit. Ivan got his cell phone out of the bedroom and his boots by the kitchen of James and Amy's house. As we were leaving, Ivan put the Mercedes in the garage and pulled the Corvette out. I was sitting in the Honda. Two trucks drove by at this time. Uh, One was white and one was black. After Ivan got in the Corvette, we went to the apartment and dropped off the Honda. Ivan and I went to our apartment. He had a white garbage bag of Ivan's shirt and a pair of jeans. Ivan said he had to get to seven. He grabbed his drugs and Ivan said, will you marry me? And gave me a ring. And I said, yes.
2: Let me jump in here because this is the element of the story that got me hooked on this case. In a later statement, Amy specifies, quote, he proposed to me and gave me a ring. This is the same ring that I later found out belonged to Amy Kitchen, unquote. This will become the state's case. This is from the opening statement from the prosecution.
0: He
3: proposed to his own girlfriend, Amy Betcher, by giving her the engagement ring that had been on Amy Kitchen's finger. And then they went out.
2: This stuck with me. It just sounds too crazy to be true. She said, yes, really? And for Ivan, for every birthday party and family barbecue of their married lives, Amy Betcher would be on Ivan's arm and on Amy's finger would be the ring of his murdered cousin's fiance? How exactly could he expect to get away with that? And of course, because Ivan says he didn't murder them, he has a completely different explanation for the ring that Amy was seen wearing. But we'll be digging into this whole ring situation soon enough. Now back to Amy's statement.
0: Ivan and I left the apartment and got in the Corvette and started heading to Seven. Ivan said, when you see a dumpster, let me know. He found one about one block away from Seven. Ivan threw the garbage bag away. He got back in the Corvette. We then went to 7. We were there about 3.15 a.m. and left about 3.45 a.m. Went to a friend's house, like, seven blocks away. We sat there for a while. After we left there, we went to Smiley's house so Ivan could give him money. After we left there, we went to Metal's house, a friend of mine in Irving. We sat there until about 10 a.m.,
2: Nobody just sits around a guy named Metal's house until 10 a.m. What Amy's leaving out of her statement is that they were doing drugs. Metal was a speed
0: dealer. I said, we have to get to my parents' house. We left there and went back to the apartment where we lived. Packed our clothes. I said, let's go. My parents are going to worry about us. Finally, we left about 12, 12.30 p.m. Before we walked out the door, he stated, get straight into the car. The whole time we were together, he had the gun. On the way up to my parents' house, he stated, I better act like nothing is wrong and listen to everything he says.
2: And this wasn't just a trip across town to visit our folks. We're talking from Dallas to Franklin, Arkansas. That's Northern Arkansas. It's a good eight hours away. Quite a road trip, given all the circumstances.
0: We arrived at my parents' house at 8.30, 9 p.m. on Saturday, November 4th. We stayed at my parents' house until Tuesday, November 7th. In the meantime, he made phone calls talking about James and Amy. One call that he made just to Carlos stated, let's get Detective Wynn on this. Ivan told me that Detective Wynn was dirty.
2: Detective Wynn was the lead homicide detective on the case.
0: We left my parents' house on Tuesday, November 7th at 12.30 p.m. On the way to Texas, Ivan talked to people on his cell phone. One call, he stated he was going to Mexico. We got to Texas about 10, 10.30 p.m. and went to Tawny's house.
2: Tawny was Ivan's ex-girlfriend, who was about 10 years older than Ivan.
0: Ivan called Detective Wynn. He said he had a long day. We will talk tomorrow. Ivan left Tawny's and went to our apartment by himself. He came back to Tani's, and he has an inventory list that was at our apartment.
2: Let me back up a few days. On November 5th, a day after the bodies were found, James Corvette was found, parked right outside Ivan and Amy's apartment. So by the day Ivan and Amy were coming back from Arkansas, November 7th, the police had a search warrant for their apartment. In the kitchen trash can, the police found bloody jeans and bloody socks. The blood found on those items belonged to the victims. In Ivan's closet, they found bullets matching the crime scene and James and Amy Kitchen's car keys. So when Ivan went back over to their apartment, he found an inventory list from the Dallas Police Department with all of these items on it. That's what Amy's talking about.
0: He came back to Tani's and he hasn't, inventory list that was at our apartment. He called his mom and Aunt Penny to meet us at IHOP. We sat there and had coffee and pop. Ivan talked to them for a while. After we left IHOP, we went to my friend Metal's house in Irving. After Metal's, we go to Tawny's. Ivan stopped at a dumpster and put James' wallet and Amy's ID in a Burger King bag and threw it in there. We went to Tawny's at 8am to sleep. Ivan's cell phone rang about 8.30 a.m. It was Detective Wynn. Ivan got up, got ready to go talk to him. Before Ivan left, he said that the drugs and the money were under the couch cushions. About 4 p.m. November 8th, I called Ivan's cell. His mother had it. She said she was coming to get me to talk to the detective. I called Tawny at work because I was afraid of his mother. Tawny came home. We sat there for a while. I also called my parents, stating that I was afraid. Please come get me. Ivan's mother called and said that Tani and I need to get an attorney. Then Ivan called and said that he was being charged with murder. He told Tani to make sure I was safe. I called the airlines and got a ticket to go to Little Rock. I told Tani not to say anything to anybody. She and I left her house. Tony took me to TGIF Fridays before the flight and to talk and get a drink. Before I got on the plane, I told her to look around the apartment.
2: That's an official statement that Amy gave. When Tony got back after dropping Amy off at the airport, she did look around her apartment. And when she flipped over the couch cushion... She found a baggie of drugs, a box of bullets, and a gun. Now that all happened a few hours after Ivan was arrested on November 8th. And on November 9th, the police were called to Tawny's apartment and took the gun and the box of bullets into evidence. According to police reports, the gun and the bullets were matched as the same caliber used during the murders Blood inside the barrel of the gun was matched to James Mosqueda, Ivan's cousin. And most significant of all, Ivan's thumbprint was matched to a thumbprint found on the magazine of the gun. And that's the state's official case in a nutshell. And based on all of that, the case seems pretty open and shut, right? It's easy to understand why the jury convicted Ivan. So why have I been working on this case for a year? Because the jury never heard what I'm about to share with you. You just heard the actress reading Amy Betcher's statement. She was the state's star witness. And the star witness police statements and her trial testimony has major inconsistencies. We'll be pulling it all apart in a later episode. But here's an example. In all of her statements, she consistently said, Ivan came back wearing bloody jeans, bloody socks, and wearing latex gloves. And Ivan them in the trash can you see a key piece of evidence is a picture of the kitchen trash can without a lid and sitting on top of the rest of the trash are jeans socks latex gloves and a blue solo cup those are the four items that you can clearly see in the trash can now what you're about to hear is Amy's testimony on the stand at trial I'll read the prosecution's lines and Amy's lines are being read by the actress What happened after Ivan took the shower?
0: He told me to throw, uh, get a bag for his pants, but I threw them in the garbage can.
2: You threw his jeans in the garbage can? Yes. Miss Betcher, you said you threw them away in a trash can in the kitchen? Yes. So in all of Amy's police statements, Ivan put the bloody jeans and socks in the trash can. But on the witness stand at trial, Amy said she put the bloody jeans and socks in the trash can. But this next part gets even more interesting. Next, the prosecution showed Amy the picture of the kitchen trash can and asked her, do you recognize that picture? Yes. Is that where you threw them away? Yes. There's also some latex gloves in that picture, is that right? Yeah. Had you seen those latex gloves before they went in the trash can? No. Who put the latex gloves in the trash can, do you know?
0: No, I don't.
2: In all of her police statements, Ivan came back with the bloody jeans and socks and wearing latex gloves. But on the stand, she had never seen the latex gloves before. Even if you give her the benefit of the doubt with who put what in the trash can, if your boyfriend comes home bloody after a murder, there would be no forgetting him wearing latex gloves you would think that would be seared into your memory. So where did those latex gloves come from? And who really did put the bloody clothes in the trash can? You see, Amy's story is all over the place. And this next part will prove it to you. I popped up on a key witness who talked with Ivan and Amy the night of the murders. He wishes to stay anonymous so we'll call him DJ, and he happened to be at one of those house parties they went to. I recorded this with a covert mic, so the audio quality isn't the best, but take a listen to this. Sir, my name is Matt Duff, private investigator. Uh I'm looking into a case where you gave a little testimony for, this is from 2000, Ivan Cantu. Oh, wow. at it's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But I'd love to have you just walk me through what you can recall. That's been a while. I went through appointments too. And oh, okay. oh, wow. So, well, I understand. Um, I mean, just whatever you can recall.
4: I just know that he showed up at a residence on Powell, Hatton. Yep. And he introduced his girlfriend. i remember the point where they showed an engagement. Right, um, and that's that's pretty much it. That's about uh, that one
2: time. Now, did, did they know you prior? Did did Ivan? Mm-hmm. Had, you've never seen him before. No. Now, what demeanor did she seem, Amy? They both looked happy. I mean, it was—I mean, like nothing was going on. Right. And that ring. How close would you say she showed you the ring? Thought, it was right. But it, was it was like nice. yeah, yeah. And she says, "What we I'm just,
4: I'm just
2: Yeah, and but they didn't know you from Adam, so they were no, just, no, they weren't I'm telling just anybody. Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah, you mean at the time you know happy, so you know, spontaneous joy is sort of it. right? So
2: would it surprise you, from what Amy says, that she would have just saw the cousin and the dead fiance probably thirty wow. minutes before that?
4: Yeah, I don't I put it in a way. That would have gone down like that. If she was there, no, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think that would happen. This, I, I this don't is, she knew about it. See, she says she was there. At the scene?
2: She says that Ivan, so you saw them, I think you say about 2 a.m. Man, that's harder.
4: That's, that would be hard selling sell to me, man, because to keep that composure, Oh, yeah. And to be that joyous? Yes, I don't think they I don't think there's no way. I mean, unless you really fucked up on some shit, you know what I'm saying? Which she she says drugs.
2: they were on a little bit of
4: drugs. But still, that that would, my brother's in the box office, so he explains to me what happens when people are on things, and either it's going to send someone one way or send someone the other way. Either way, if, if it's a traumatic event like that, no, there's no way, man. There's no way you can fuck with that. Someone break down.
2: Something, something, to give me a tell. You what know, do you tell? Do you have a mind? I would love to just pour a quick uh, affidavit. Okay. So DJ invites me in. He's a big former military dude. Now forty-six. He tells me he was completely sober that night, making his account that much more important. He was checking out the party house to DJ there for an upcoming birthday party.
4: Make sure that we had electrical I needed. You know and. I See how much space I was going to need for speakers and all that stuff, too. So I was going there to do that and I was leaving. I forgot through talking to him, and when I opened the door, this couple's walking up.
2: Yeah, and this uh, affidavit you say sometime after 2 a.m. Does that sound about right?
4: Yeah. Okay. And of course, I've seen silhouettes because it's dark outside, and then when they walk up uh, and they introduce themselves, and then I remember the girl, Amy, being real giddy, you know, like, and they're smiling, you know, um, and, you know, and we just got engaged, and then, you know, showed me the ring.
2: You said that their demeanor was happy ecstatic. Right. Um, now, what if I told you that Amy's story that night, you saw them, let's say, 2 or 2.30. Amy's story is that Ivan had killed his cousin, come back to the house at midnight covered in blood. He showered, he changed. He took her back to the murder scene. She saw those dead bodies. She says that she was gagging. She was shaking. Um, Apparently he takes off the engagement ring, this is her story, he takes off the engagement ring of the dead fiance, James's fiance there, they go back to his apartment, that's when he proposes to her with that engagement ring. She says yes, and then it must have been, with a timeline, probably less than an hour after that, maybe 30 minutes, she would have seen you. So what do you think about her demeanor and their demeanor yeah, Do you think um, that that could have happened?
4: They got to be the great greatest uh, actors ever because I man, it's man. Usually you would be able to tell if someone was you know something would have broke you know to keep that up like that. I don't know. They had me fooled, you know. That if, if that was the case, if that just happened,
2: so it seems unlikely. Oh, it'd be definitely unlikely. See, Amy says that he killed him. Amy says that they were out partying, but she was afraid of Ivan the whole time. They were saying, why didn't you get away from
4: him? She could have done it then, right there and then, if that was the case. Um, How so? I think it was like maybe five, at least six people at, uh, that I remember at, at uh, Harlan's place. Or, I mean, I'm a, dude, I've always been a big guy. You know, if someone's, if someone's hurting or if somebody's helped, I'm going to step in. She could have easily did something. uh to to let you know yeah. that hey. Or help you know, look at me, you know, give me that you know, something something to to give us some public tell. There was none of that. But I saw just in those minutes that I didn't see anything, any fear, any cause for any kind of reaction, just nothing but joy in their eyes. You know. Something something's real fishy with Amy's story.
2: Something is real fishy with Amy's story and over the course of this podcast series, we're gonna find out why. Oh, and just one more thing. Those bloody jeans in the trash can? Here's a very interesting detail Ivan's lawyer didn't bring up, so the jurors never heard. The jeans in evidence were a size 34, 32. Ivan wore a size 30, 30. Ivan was 5'7", 140 pounds, And I've spoken with about a dozen people that knew Ivan back then, and they've all said no way he could wear a 34 32 without them falling off. And Ivan never wore baggy jeans. That was not his style. And Amy never said anything about a belt, and there was no belt found in the trash can. So if Ivan's lawyers had wanted to put up a fight, all they had to do was have Ivan try on the jeans And just like O.J. and the gloves? If the jeans don't fit, you must acquit. But Ivan didn't have Johnny Cochran and the Dream Team. He had court-appointed attorneys, and Ivan never got the opportunity to tell his side of the story. And it's been a long time coming.
3: I've not been able to use the phone for nearly 20 years. The Polanski unit does not have, um, they do not provide telephones. So this is my... uh... This
2: is my first time a phone in nearly 20 years. Next time on Cousins by Blood. I want to thank you for listening to Cousins by Blood. If Ivan did not commit these murders, we can't let an innocent man be executed. I'm not sure if he did or didn't. But as you'll continue to hear in upcoming episodes, there's a lot of reasonable doubt here. As of right now, he could get his execution date any day. And at that point, there's a 90-day countdown. Till execution or clemency. So the more people that hear this, the better. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and tell your friends. To find out more about the case and see pictures, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cousins by Blood Podcast. Amy Betcher's Statement, read by Pauline Johnson. Mixing and Mastering, by Jody Abbott. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.